This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, it's Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, Tom, what do we got? Today, we are going to be talking about interesting topic, especially in the, uh, the pop culture landscape. We're going to be talking about superheroes, the origins, how they, how they change over time. So this is just going to be two history buffs looking at history and historical facts on superheroes, basically. Basically, I think we could probably um, say everything we're going on with like Chadwick, you know, Bozeman. Now, I think maybe we could dedicate the podcast to Chadwick Bozeman, the Black Panther. The Black yes. Panther. Yeah. So, I mean, I've heard in historical terms, I've heard people say that comic books are history in itself, in themselves, apart from the superheroes that they often showcase, mainly as like primary sources of popular culture. You know, they kind of reflect the politics, prejudice, concerns of a particular historical moment. Yeah. So, um, as I said, we are going to, yeah. So yeah, I was just gonna say it was basically a way that like a lot of these comic book writers could talk about the political landscape or like issues they want to talk about, but disguise it in comic books, and that's really what they did. And they got a lot and of still do, things. and I mean and they still, still do, do to still do, yeah, yep. still do. So uh, I think this is kind of a kind of like your thing, Tom. When it comes to superheroes, you know, that's this is this is going to be well, your yeah, you're you the buff, you're the buff today. Yeah, I'm. I guess so. I guess I used to make fun of me about me. liking. You used to like make fun of me about liking superheroes this much. Now I kind of uh, once you had kids, it kind of changed some things, huh? It did change some things for me, indeed. I mean, I didn't name both my kids after superheroes like you did, but uh... they were interesting names, and they happened to be superhero related. Okay, <laughs> sure. That's all. That's sure all it basically was. Good. It might have been after Star Wars. I can't. Good, I can't. I can't. Good judge. strong names. Just. Just. Mine uh... are named after Star Wars. Come on. Come on. <laughs> all right. So. Um, Three things, you know, we're gonna uh, we're gonna start kind of just overall uh, history of superhero as we know uh, that by definition of superhero, kind of the first superheroes. Then we'll talk about how some of the more popular superheroes that we all know, how or rather when they were created in each decade and how in those decades. Yeah, and also just why they were created, like they were made to reflect. exactly they're, they're like the impetus for that. Absolutely. Yes, they're, they're there for a reason. It, it's and you kind of sh- when you look at how they also how some of these heroes evolve over time when they are, you know, original incarnations were very different than how they are today in 2020. Absolutely. And that's like the third part we're going to talk about, kind of the evolution of the superhero. So, all right, Tom, let's, uh, let's get started. When you think of um, early superhero, the one of the first superheroes, what are, what are we looking at here? Well, obviously, like if you think of terms superheroes, whenever you watch those documentaries or research, we're going to talk about even like the Greek heroes, you know, you have like Hercules, you have Achilles, you know, guys like that. But as we're talking about like somewhat modern most people will say Superman, and we're going to get to Superman because he's the hero of heroes. Okay, I'm not going to have that debate with people because it's you know it's black and white. But uh, there is there was actually a comic strip hero that debuts before Superman, and most like comic book geeks like myself are aware of this guy. They made a couple movies. There's been you know the serials um, back in the back in the 30s, and it was actually a character created by Lee Falk, which was known as the Phantom. And uh, I'm not going to go in great detail about him. It's an interesting character. Basically, he um, wore purple. He was known as a ghost who walks, had no superpowers, but people believed that he had superpowers because it was like a father-son. When the father died, the next um, the, the son took the next over. Next in line would take yeah, over. So yeah, so he was known as a ghost who walks, basically. And he debuts in 1936. And um, he really creates comic book character type with having the mask. Right, the secret identity mm-hmm. that when he's wearing the mask, you look at any of the old comics books from like the 30s and 40s, and even some of them now, like they don't have pupils. You know, they put on the mask, mm-hmm. and it's like all white, or it's just you know, they, there's no eyeballs and stuff there. And that was that started with the Phantom. 
So it kind of laid the groundwork. Without the Phantom, you don't have the heroes like Batman, Green Lantern, um, Green Arrow, who kind of wear those like masks um, very similar like that, where their eyes basically disappear when they put them on. But the original one was actually the um, is the Phantom, and there's been a couple movies. They always try to bring them back every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, ninety six, Billy Billy Zane. Billy Zane. There's actually been some other attempts. There's been a couple animated shows. Remember, he used to be on this Flash Gordon show. I remember when I was a kid called Guardians of the Universe, not Guardians of the Galaxy or Mass of the Universe, Guardians of the Universe, no, no, Guardians of Earth, I'm sorry. And it was a pretty bad show. I remember it when I was a kid because I watched <laughs> anything that had that. anything that had anything on it. And um, it had like Flash Gordon, the Phantom, this like magician, and they were fighting like Ming the Conqueror. I remember watching that in my grandparents' house and it was like really cool. He had powers in that. So then I remember when the movie came out, I went to go see him. I'm like, where's his powers and stuff like that? What's going on? But um, the Phantom is kind of is credited with being the first modern hero. Whenever they talk about the Phantom, I remember when that movie came out, they were like, oh, he's, he even predates Superman and stuff like that, which he does. He was in the comic strips before. He yeah, he was in a weeklies. I mean, he was a, he yes. was in the weeklies, essentially. That's how he started. Yeah, you know, which all these heroes week. were. They all started off yep. in these weeklies. That, that's really what it was before they get their own, their own actual comic book. Yeah, they were in the strips. You could also make the argument. That when you talk about like the mask vigilante and stuff, you have, you know, you have Zorro, you know, 1919, you have Buck yeah. Rogers, we had you have all the those, shadow. The, the Western comics were very, that's, that's what comic books were before the superheroes took over. Yeah. Um, really in World War II, which we'll get to that. It was all Western. It was horror, crime, Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy was huge. Yeah. It's like Zorro Tarzan was a, was a big one. Prince Valiant, Tom Strong. You had, you had, you had comics like that, which were really horror comics and pulp comics. Um, superheroes were kind of just like a one- a one and done thing. They'd have a couple issues, which actually we can make that transition into Superman. Because that's where I was going to go with it. Yeah, go ahead. The first Superman, the, the the creators of Superman, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, created a comic book before Superman called Reign of the Superman. Um, don't get that confused with the '90s Reign of the Supermen. That basically how Superman comes back to life. Um, but it's Reign of the Superman, and um, Superman's actually a bad guy in that. Now, he's not a Kryptonian. He doesn't have any of that, that sort of stuff. He's basically just this run-of-the-mill, everyday guy who gets superpowers, basically gets like, these mental powers, and he uses them to pretty much take over most of the world. And he kind of realizes what he did was wrong. It's, it's not a very good story. Um, the no actual original prince survived, to my knowledge. And there's a couple drawings that people find here and there. They did, DC did re-release it in like, the, in like the 1980s, and you can find those. Um, and if you read it, it's it's not it's not good, but it's the first mention of a of you know, this, you know a Superman. It's by the creators of Superman. It was just a comic in a science fiction magazine, but it got enough readers, and they kind of were really then they took this idea of Superman and run with it, and that becomes the character of Superman, which debuts in 1938, um, Action Comics number one, which is the yep. most valuable comic today. How much is that worth? Do you think it depends on condition. I know like a um, mint condition, which is all they're going to be. You're not going to get like, you know, one out of the package is over a million dollars. They've sold that auction for over a million. Um, I know there was this one story where someone was actually, they were losing their house. So they were like tearing down part of it to like, like clearing things out. And it was like their mother's house or something like that. Wait, I just checked it, Tom, 3 million, 3 million, 207,000. $852. Which, and, and that's just like people with a lot of money who want his, because you can buy Action Comics number one, like a reprint for $10. So you can buy, like, it's the same story. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's the same thing. It's exactly the same. It's actually in better condition. It's just not the actual one from 1938. I get it. But a woman actually, they found it. It was in pretty, uh, an Action Comics number one in like, um, like a compartment in like their wall. And it was in pretty bad shape. I think it got like a comic book grade of like a four or five, which isn't great. And, it, and it, they sold it for over $400,000. 
and they were able to like wow. you know save the house it was like this yeah. big story so yeah if, if well, you know it's it's interesting kind of off, bringing that in and bringing this into you know the, this is 1938 and um we're talking about the great depression we're talking about new deals kind of yes. faltering a little bit like america needs a hero interestingly enough all these main stanley eventually but all of these creators even the creators of superman were kids of jewish immigrants yes i mean if you think about it superman is like the ultimate immigrant yeah, I that's mean, kind of that's kind of he's portrayed like now. But remember, the Superman from 1938, you can see a lot, is very different from the Superman that people know now. Yeah, he had the S. He is from Krypton. They kind of, you know, they have that. But it's also he, he's different. Like he's he's go, he's not fighting supervillains. He's going in the first issue. He's fighting um, landlords who are raising the rent on people. Yeah, people. He, he, people you know, he was jobs. Yeah, Great Depression. He, he's fighting for the average man. You know, he in it. He actually takes a husband who's about to beat his wife to death. He takes a guy and throws him out a window. That's what Superman does. He takes him and throws him out a window in, in Action Comics number one. So, like, this is just, you know, yeah. what he's doing at that point. Like, this is before they had the comic code, which is something we can talk about. So, they, they, yeah. like, they, were, they, they would kill, they, or they just wouldn't even mention, well, you threw him a guy out the window, you're implying that, you know, you just killed him. Now they have that, you know, moral code type of stuff. But it was very different. He's not fighting supervillains. He's not fighting aliens. He's fighting for the average everyday person, which was, you know, Jerry and. Uh, Joe, okay, the the creators of yeah. Superman, who wind up getting screwed by DC Comics. But that's a whole other story. They in what sense? Basically, they sold the rights to him. And they they were poor, so they sold the rights to him. When Superman really started to catch on again, World War II and after World War II, when we had the George Reeves show, right, the serials mm -hmm. and everything like that, and even in they were they 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 weren't one they weren't getting credit. If you watch all those, they don't mention Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. They don't get credit. Um, for for Superman, like on like you know created by, it just says D, from the DC comic, um, so they don't get credit for that. And they did get a small pension from DC, but it was like two hundred dollars, which was like nothing. Um, then the, there was a lot of fan outcry in the nineteen seventies when the Christopher Reeve movie came out, and some uh, reporter did a story about how you know Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster are, are like poor, you know one one of them was like blind. Mm -hmm. You know, living like living paycheck to paycheck, basically in these like small hotels. Like, this they, they created Superman. This is going to be like the you know at that time it was like the biggest movie in the planet. That first Superman movie with George Reeves, uh, Christopher Reeves. I'm sorry. And um, so there was like this massive campaign, and then they got reinstated. Director of Superman was really behind that. Um, not Richard, uh, Richard Donner. He was really behind yeah. that, and he said, "No, I, I'm giving them credit." So that's why if you watch that score and dun da da da, all that, and it yeah. says, you know, Superman created by. Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. And that's why every time you see that now, even the comics, they have to get credit for it. And they were then their pension went up. They were paid. Their families get um, pensions from it. Now that all started. Then there's a big lawsuit years ago about Superboy, like who created Superboy. So that 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 was like in, I'm talking about 2010. That was like a lawsuit yeah. going on between the Schuster and Siegel family, and uh, against DC. When this is you know 1930s Great Depression, you know before World War II happening, Superman is the Quintessential social avenger fighting for the average man. Um, that's 1938. In 1939, right? You, uh, Bob Kane creates Batman. What What do you think is the impetus for Batman during that decade? Like, what role does he fit in like the social fabric of America at the time? Again, he is the well. He's more of like that anti-hero. He's that hero that comes out. He even then he's the, he's like the nighttime. He doesn't. He's not the dark knight. That's that's later on. Like the early Batman actually had was more like purple and stuff, so it was a little bit different. But and he um, was a he was a detective. I mean, if you it was, more, it, was more, it, was, it was more of a crime. He had he carried a gun. Yeah, you know I mean, he would shoot at he would shoot at people and stuff like that. He was much more of it was it was remember he debuted in Detective Comics twenty seven. 
It wasn't mm-hmm. Batman number one, and that it was Detective Comics number 27, 1939. Yeah, he, he, that's what he was. He was a detective. He was just like a crime solver, like a Dick Tracy type, right? Yeah. Um, Sherlock Holmes type, kind of a combination of the two. And really, Bob Kane, the reason he came up with the, with the Batman, and he was cr- trying to create a superhero, right? His publisher says, make a superhero, right? He wants some sort of superhero. So he's looking, he said, what, what would be kind of different? And he actually comes across an old sketch from Leonardo da Vinci, and you're uh, one of those um, flying yeah, machines flying that make, and yeah, it looked yeah, like it had, had like the bat wings on it. He's like, "Oh, that would be that would be really cool for a superhero," and that's why the Batman, you know, Detective Comics number twenty-seven. You see him; he has like the you know the the wings out, and it looks just like that Da Vinci flying machine. You see, like how that looked. Mm-hmm. So they go, oh, "Make him Batman." That sounds cool, you know. And you know, you have the bats flying around. He's like a nighttime type of thing. So, and that's kind of how he caught on. Now he's going to evolve as the years go by, and we'll talk about that. Because Batman's, you know, Batman's one of the big three uh, when yeah. it comes to, especially when it comes to DC. So we're going to kind of shift away from DC, I guess. You know, 1939, 1940, the world is kind of on a verge and eventually starts World War, you know, World War II starts in September of 1939. Well, you're probably going to go to, I'm assuming, a little character made by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, known as uh, yep. Captain America. March 1st, 1941. Captain also, America Comics. interesting enough. The creators are Jewish as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. It's that's no. That's um, it makes sense because what what happens in the cover? That's uh, Captain America. Yeah, no, the very first famous, famous cover, cover, right? Nineteen forty. Yeah. Uh, Captain America number one. I mean, he's punching Adolf Hitler in the face. And Hitler does not appear anywhere in the comic. Yeah, which is interesting, right? He does not appear anywhere in the comic. And there's interesting fact with that. And they talk about this in a lot of. Um, I've read about a lot of like the books, whatever, like Superman, Batman, a lot of these. You know, Captain America, Namor, Human Torch. Some of we'll talk about. You know, all these original Marvel DC characters, they would fight Nazis or they would talk, like the covers were always really cool. Like they had them like shooting, picking up Tojo and throwing them in stuff like that. But in the comics, they never did that. And the reason that they said they never did it was because they're like, didn't want to diminish the war effort. If they had Superman or Captain America just come in there and end the war in a day, then that's kind of like diminishing the effort of like the actual soldiers fighting the war. So they said, you know, the covers kind of show that, but if you actually got into the comics, that's never what really happened. I thought that was yeah. kind of interesting because they, they want yeah. to be aware of what's going on in the war. And Captain America was not just defending the United States, but he's like the ultimate patriot. Yeah. The premise here is we're trying to raise money. We're trying to sell bonds. We're, some of the Captain America issues from that time talk about rationing. You know, They talk about just living through the war itself. It's not just fighting. It, this guy becomes the American the symbol, patriot. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's incredibly popular. Like the, the GIs over in... in Europe and they want Captain America comics. That's something that they actually request. You know, cigarettes, chocolate, and comics, and they like reading it. That's that's a fact. And you're talking about the rationing. What's interesting with that is that's actually what made these comic books so valuable. Like nowadays, is because kids would read the comics and then go and turn the comics in, like rational, like get get the paper recycled, basically. Yeah. So they would turn them in for like paper drives and stuff like that. Like they would you know, pick up tin cans, bottles, stuff like that. And that's what that's why there's so few of these comics today. Also, the fact that they're like 75 years old, but um. But yeah, Captain no, America is, is very just that like pro at this, you know, that pro America, you know, red, white, and blue. Let's go win the war type, basically. Yeah, but also like an average Joe too. You know what I mean? Well, he was supposed to be sickly. You know, he had in the original comics, yeah. he has po- uh, he has polio. I know they kind of yeah. changed that a little bit in the um, in the movie. In, in the movie, he's, he's just kind of small, so but he actually has polio, which is something that people are really you know afraid about in the 1930s and the early 1940s. And remember, FDR had it. The president of the United yeah. States was infected with polio. So yeah. like they, ha- they have that sort of thing. So it, it's, again, it's tying into the real world. Like, this guy had polio, but then we give him this special serum, which 
he really, you know, think about it in 2020 standards. Now he's basically like a Roy user. You know, he's kind of, yeah. he wouldn't he wouldn't be allowed <laughs> to play baseball, but he can be in the Avengers. That's basically how it works. That's funny. That's funny. All right. Um, do we have anything else that's going on in World War II that kind of comes out? We have well, one other one that's uh, a, well, a biggie here. There's a lot of that. Well, what, what do you have? There's a lot of World War II ones. So let me see where you're. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you obviously have. Uh, if you think about um, 1941, we have the well, yeah, creation of Wonder out. Woman. Yeah. Also Aquaman. Aquaman but one woman's. Yeah. I mean, will I know the Aquaman think, movie was cool, but uh, people don't really. Yeah, Aquaman. Yeah, is no. Aquaman. Yeah, but I, so I, yeah, I was kind of going to try to go with it, you know, with the Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. 1941, you have your really your first real female superhero. Yeah, with her own. Um, yeah, she actually gets her own comic uh, later on in 42, but she does debut in um, All Star Comics number eight, 1941. Yeah, and she's, again, if you see the old, like Wonder Woman, red, white, and blue, right? She, she's yeah. all patriotic. She's coming from Themyscira, right? Amazon Island to come and fight in man's war. Yeah. Save the world. You know that there's interesting stuff about her uh, her origins or no? Well, I mean, I know the guy that created her uh, invented the lie detector. Yes, he was also – that's how she gets the last of truth and everything. Yeah. And the other oh, stuff, we're just um, – we're trying to keep this a um, family-friendly podcast. Indeed. We're not going to go, go yeah. down that road. 50s, right? Things well, are well, – we're not really at the counterculture yet. It's the post-war is kind of very superheroes are very much super family men and women. They're super friendly. They're promoting status quo and preaching obedience to authority. Like you know, don't cross, don't go a lot jaywalking. Of comics also faded out after World War II. The only ones that kind of held on from World War II in that for like Captain America, he's gone. That that once the war's over, there's no more Captain yep. America comics. The only ones that actually kind of survive are. Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Those are the three that survive that are, they're still publishing those actual characters, particularly Superman. There's so many different ones of him that are going to come out in the 1950s. You have, you know, um, Man of Steel, Adventures of Superman, Adventures of Superboy, Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen, Superman's pal, Lois Lane, Superman's girlfriend. All these new um, comics come out. Again, what, what you're saying, Pete, showing like the status quo, right? They're saying, you know, follow yeah. this. Um, showing, yeah, Superman's like, oh, Lois. I would totally marry you if you could just learn how to, you know, keep your house clean. Like it's actually a line that Superman says though in some of these comics. Um, so it's that sort of thing. You have that very like 1950s leave it to Beaver. But most superheroes are not those that golden age of heroes that debuted. Other ones debuted during time like the Flash, Green Lantern, yeah. Green Arrow, the human, original Human Torch, right? Uh, Captain America. We said Namor. They're, yeah. they're done. You don't see them again later on to the 60s. Yeah, and I feel like it's almost like before we start jumping into talking about the superheroes and how they start to change and reflect the decades. I don't, I don't want to say it, a superhero as we know it, the major superheroes, the invent of them kind of ends by 1970s. I mean, you don't really have any of the greats created after that, but 60s are huge. You know, you're looking at a counterculture mm -hmm. movement in 1960s, youth movement, counterculture revolution, and almost like the, the Supermans and the Batmans are very stoic. They're like the stoic, you know, older, fa you know, father figures. Yeah. And that's well, where Stan Lee comes in. You know, changed, yeah, well, that's when Marvel Comics comes yeah. to be in the 60s, yeah. Yeah, and Stanley kind of like has this, you know, hand on the pulse of America. And he's he's looking around and he's like, all right, well, you have these young people that are fighting against status quo, per se. But also you have the civil rights movement. You know, maybe there, it's time to start introducing some African-American superheroes. Heroes, yeah. And then... You know, if in case the world's not ready for that, though, then he, you know, he creates in the '60s the the X Men, which is this idea of well, there these are people that 
are different, but at the same time, you know, they were born that way and they just want to be productive members of society and society's against them. There's so many, so much, I guess, symbolism in the heroes that come out in the 1960s. Yeah. Every, and that's something that Marvel did. Every hero was supposed to symbolize something or was supposed to be an example. And also the heroes in Marvel's universe that came out, they were young. Yeah. Um, and so what's the, what's the famous one that he comes up with? What do you got? For well, me? the famous one, obviously, well, in 61, right? He has a Fantastic Four. Yeah. I know where you're going. Just let me get, you know, he comes mm-hmm. out with a Fantastic Four, right? Because he, basically what interesting story with that, DC comes out with it with the Justice League, right? In 1960. And even though like the big three, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman are in it in the beginning, they don't really, um, they're appearing in the stories. So it was kind of a way to introduce other characters, Martian Manhood or stuff like that. But so the, the publishers at Marvel say, listen, Justice League is selling really good. Make up our superhero team of, of our own. And that debuts the Fantastic Four. So that's, that's kind of showing. And they get their power from like the space race. That's the big thing at the time, right? Yeah. So that's 1961 Fantastic Four. 62, you have the Hulk, right? With, again, gamma radiation, right? Atomic bombs, atomic age, okay? And when, whenever he gets mad, he gets stronger. Like what, what teenage kid isn't going to like that, right? Yeah, but also again reflecting the times. Reflecting the I mean, times, there's yes. all these there's all these fears of of radiation and atomic weapons and so. What's it going to do? Yes, but the big one that's really showing like the teenage, the teenage kid. What's going to happen appears in Amazing Fantasy number fifteen, right? August nineteen sixty two, and that's going to be the Amazing Spider Man, right? Debuts there, and he's 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 a kid. He's he's a high school teenager, right? Gets bitten by a radioactive spider. Everyone knows the story. They've made enough of the movies. That's exactly what he's just, he's just, uh, he's but just it's, a he's kid. so relatable. You know, that's what changes it. I mean, he's got girl problems, uh, exactly. difficulty holding a job. He's, <laughs> getting, mean, like, he's, he's getting the class late because he's been, yep. he was out fighting Dr. Octopus. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just these crazy Perfect. sorts of things. And that kid really relates to you. So those comics really, really catch on, but they, uh, you know, presenting to the youth and DC knew that. Well, not DC, a comic book, um, that challenged DC in the 1940s was actually Captain, the original Captain Marvel, right? Shazam. Mm-hmm. Because what is he? He's a kid. He's a kid. He has these powers. So it was actually really popular. And um, DC won a lawsuit that said they couldn't call him. Uh, he was too similar to Superman. So that's kind of killed him out until years later. Hmm. But, uh, but again, again, I'm tying in with, with the kid thing that like yeah. it, it, they're appealing to their, their base. Right, but um, Marvel is targeting a little bit older in that base. Okay, they're not targeting the little kids; they're targeting, you know, the um, the teenagers and the young adults. And that's what Stanley was going for with these more mature themes, with these, you know, characters which were the same age that weren't around. You know, this is twenty years later from when the superheroes popped up. They're they're not their father's superheroes. Yeah, like I said, like it's almost like the Superman and the Batman kind of take a little bit of a backseat. And obviously, there's a the whole Batman TV show, which made which kind of double-edged sword because it made Batman more popular, but it made it more of a joke. Oh yeah, if you like like hardcore Batman people, hate that TV show. They hate yeah, it. The like, I remember watching. Yeah. I remember watching when I was a kid. It was on. I think it's still on in the mornings too. Sometimes my kids watch it, it every is. once in a while. Yeah, TV. And you watch it. Like, it, does, it doesn't hold up well. Like the Joker's got like the guy. You can see his mustache. He didn't want to shave it off and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah. mean, my bat spray with Adam West and. Um, Dick Ward, but you know it's a good show. Like you know, it is. If it's you know, it's appealing to kids. It's kind of tongue in cheek. The people who like liked Batman um, or who knew the Batman comics, yeah, they 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 despise that. And really, we'll get to that. But that doesn't change again until the Michael Keaton Batman movie, which yep. we'll, which we'll, we'll we'll get to. Yep, and we're almost there actually. So just another kind of just to add, I guess, to the '60s and this idea of introducing more diversity. You have Luke Cage, Power Man, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When does Black Panther come out? 
he's also in the the 60s. He comes out, he's based on, you know, again, they want that racial equality. Yep. With T'Challa. He comes out in Fantastic Four. Four. I know that. He's, but. He's, a, he's a Fantastic Four when, when they need, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the comic book version is because they're looking for, it's just like they're looking for uh, 66. Vibranium, yeah. So he comes out in the 60s. I knew that. I wasn't sure the exact yep. year. Yeah, but when all these characters are basically coming out. And he's, so, and he's a big character because he's he's showing African American youth that you guys can be a superhero too, right? Then Captain yeah. America gets a new sidekick. Who's his new sidekick? The Falcon. Is that, and, that's you know, another one we should talk about. Is and that that's kind of that's a perfect segue. Yeah, yep, that's a perfect segue. All right, so let's kind of now that we introduced um, some of the major superheroes in American history and kind of the impetus for why they were created at the time they were created, let's go back a little bit and talk about how those superheroes evolved with history to kind of reflect what is happening yeah. socially you know in america at the time so uh, which one do you kind of want to go with first well the first one i that i it always comes to mind it's like a famous issue or a famous series of issues it comes out in the um, late 60s and it's green arrow and green lantern that's what it's called okay. green arrow green lantern and it's a um they're trying to like kind of reintroduce both characters and what's going on in this issue is that they they're put together because green arrow is more of the uh, like radical liberal while mm-hmm. green lantern is more of the status quo he wants to change, like he wants. Bo- it's about civil rights there. It's about social change. And they both and he, initially came out in the forties, didn't they? Yeah. Now these are different versions. Okay. Um. But but yes, yeah. Like because remember, Green Arrow is he's like a street level, you know, do gooder. Okay, kind of like yeah. a Batman, only he uses arrows, right? And um, Green Lantern is actually part of a police force, right? Like intergalactic police force, the Green Lantern Corps. The whole idea of it is that he's willing to, you know, go for. He wants. He wants change too. Wants everyone to, you know, be equal, all that stuff. But he wants to go through the system. While Green Arrow is more of like radical. Like let's just, you know, we have to break the system down, then rebuild it. And that's what's going on here. So you see these two different political views that's happening in the country, also happening in this comic. And it's also the first comics that introduce drug use, because they they take Green Arrow's old sidekick Speedy, and they say that he's addicted to heroin now, and you actually see him with like needles in his arm. Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Paul Brandis introducing my podcast, Countdown to Dallas. It's a fascinating, in-depth look at the seemingly unconnected events that led to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It's based on my book of the same title. In that book and in this podcast, I go all the way back to 1939, when Lee Harvey Oswald was born into a troubled and dysfunctional family. I'll follow his transient and often violent teenage years and young adulthood, painting a fuller picture of the man who would later become Kennedy's killer. I also take a look at events unfolding in that era, like Cuba and Vietnam, And I'll unpack the conspiracy theories, too, not one of which has ever been conclusively proven. Subscribe to Countdown to Dallas at evergreenpodcasts.com or your favorite listening app, October 31st. And in Green Arrow, being like that crazy thing, like the father figure, doesn't try to help him, just beats the hell out of him, right? How dare you tarnish my family name by being a junkie? And another famous line from that comic series is when you have an African-American man come up the Green Lantern and says, listen, I hear that you do all this great stuff for like people with green skin and blue skin and yellow skin, but what have you ever done for the people with black skin that live right here on your home planet and in your, and in your country? And that was like the big line and stuff like that. So it was a very controversial issue, a uh, very controversial series of issues, the Green Arrow, um, Green Lantern. And they've brought it back other times since then. The characters have kind of become like intertwined now as like uh, these best friends almost. 
but the very early ones, it was basically just these the the, the two writers, uh, the artist Neil Adams and um, Van Dyke, just basically came together to just to express what's going on in the country in comic book form, having these two heroes really represent like these two major talking points in the country. It's, it, you know, it's an interesting read. All right, so you want to oh, let's talk about um, Superman changing changes. You know, obviously with the times too. Yeah, as things change in the 1950s, they um, I say they DC overpowered the guy. Like when I say overpowered, they just made him so powerful that they couldn't really be villains. He would fight mm-hmm. and more and more. It's more like puzzles and stuff like that. The 60s um, is the same thing for the most part, but you have Superman dealing with more of, um, de- mostly he's dealing with like Lois Lane and stuff uh, stuff of that nature. So like almost like the women's liberation yeah, the, he, Well, you had Lois Lane doing that and there was actually a controversial Lois Lane comic. Superman was like really mean to Lois Lane in the 60s and 70s. You look at some of the comics, and one of them he um, puts her in a machine and makes her fat, and makes her try to live the live the world so she can understand what it's like to be a um, overweight woman in America. What? And in it, yeah, she's treated like badly. People, you know, they don't recognize her. They're not being they're mean, mean to her. No one's holding the door open for her, stuff like that. And the really one that um, was pulled, I believe, in some states or never even published and uh, sold in some states, was the one when they have again Superman puts her in a machine. And um, she comes out as African-American. So now she has to live um, as an African-American woman in, um, you know, 60s. in the 60s. And, yeah. that, and they don't really portray it as how, how it actually was. They do show some segregation and how, you know, she wasn't able to go in certain places and stuff like that. But again, they, a lot of civil rights leaders were kind of like, you know, you're kind of minimizing it by just being in this issue. And then at the end of the issue, she goes back to being a white woman and now everything's okay. Yeah. So and they DC still tried to tackle these stories also, but Marvel was doing a much better job. They actually had their he- had new heroes come in that represented these minorities, these these new groups. Where DC was just kind of having their characters kind of just like tiptoeing around it, or just you know t- talking about it a little bit. What about like the '80s? What would you say? I feel like the comic books in the '80s and the superheroes also kind of got a lot more gritty. Well, in the '80s and early '90s, what you start getting is you you get those antiheroes. You get like the late 70s, early, you have late 70s, you have Wolverine, okay? He's you know, the anti-hero. Punisher, he's the anti-hero of anti-heroes, right? Well, you also have in 84, um, which is a comic book to start off, and but a lot of, you know, when I say this, people are going to laugh, is the Ninja Turtles. But mm-hmm. if you actually look at the original Ninja Turtles that were um, created by Eastman and um, Liard, they are, they're not the ones that we knew from the 80s. Um, it's a the, black and white comic book, it, isn't it? It's, it's black and white. Yeah. They use their weapons against real people, not robots. The Shredder, they, they decapitate him in the second, in the second issue. So oh. like, like, it's like a, it's very gritty type of, um, you know, comic. It gets bought and then changed obviously in late 80s for the whole, in 87 for the whole animated TV show. And that kind of changes things a lot, obviously. But, you know, still very popular. I'm not knocking it. Yeah, it's, it's more the, the anti-hero idea. They, like you said, Pete, they're getting gritty. And that's kind of what the 80s were. And the big thing in the 80s, I would say, like, the biggest comic book that comes out in the 80s that really um, does a lot of that is um, the comic series, which I'm sure you read, um, The Dark Knight Returns by um, Frank Miller. And that's kind of the one that really, it reinvents Batman. It reinvents the relationship between Batman and Superman. If you look at all the old, the 60s and 70s, Batman and Superman, they're, they're best friends, right? You're my best friend, chum. I'm your best friend, that type of thing. But they didn't really meet each other that much either. They didn't really see that crossover. The whole idea of them being rivals or like Batman not trusting Superman and Superman not trusting Batman or like, you know, not believing in his methods, that starts with that comic book, with the, the Dark Knight Returns and that the dystopia future, Ronald Reagan is the president, all that stuff. It's an, it's almost like you know the embracing of like violence and conservative heroes, 
but also they very much criticized American society at the time. Yeah, well, yeah, um, Harry Osborn's on drugs, right? The Green Goblin, yeah. he's on drugs. Yeah. Um, you have Captain America um, in it when he's um, the big, you know, is this the country that I fought for? Right, that's a famous you one. You know, let's, let's talk about Captain America because I think he, like, his change is very reflective of the times. I mean, yeah. he went from ultimate well, patriot fighting cool. Nazis. Yeah. 50s, he's like the Captain America commie smasher. Yeah. And then they just kind of, like you said, they just they just write him off. They explain it by the fact that, you know, in the 60s when he comes back, he was just frozen in the Atlantic right, iceberg yeah. for 20 years. Well, remember, yeah? a, different, a different company owned him. The Avengers find him in, Avenger, um, in Avengers number three. So that's another little trivia, okay? Captain America was not an original Avenger. Oh, I hope I'm shocking everybody there, right? But Captain America was not an original Avenger. So he was not the first Avenger. Um, he shows up in Avengers number three, and they kind of just say, oh, yeah, he has founding member status because, you know, we weren't really the Avengers before that. But, um, yeah, they find him, and he comes in, and at, at first he's just still, like, you know, like the hero. You know, he's saying things like, by Uncle Sam's beard, you know, we're going to stop yeah. these bad guys, no, stuff like that. But as time goes on, yeah, like you were saying, he, he kind of morphs into this more, um, you know, is this the country – that I fought for, you know, what did we really win? What, you know, what, what really happened? What's going on? Yeah. And he actually gives up Steve Rogers, the original Captain America gives up a being yeah, Captain nomad, America. nomad, becomes right? nomad for really a good stretch of the eighties. And there's other characters playing Captain America. The one um, U.S. agent becomes like a psychopath, you know, like they have to like, I think there. the premise was that, you know, like in his sixties, when he comes back, like you mentioned before, he, you know, now he's got a sidekick, you have Falcon, African-American superhero, they're working, I mean, if you look at the comic books in the 60s, they're working against poverty, racism, pollution, yeah. political corruption. You know, that's like the spies, 60s. A lot of spy stuff, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then then you get to the 70s, and that, they kind of continue that into this political corruption. And, you know, when he becomes Nomad, or a.k.a. like the hero without a country. Well, um, that happens after, I don't remember the issue. It was like Richard Nixon. And didn't he think that like... Watergate. It's basically, yeah, it's, it's basically... Watergate. They find out, well, yeah, it's that. And they find out, like, the, um, the president was basically behind this, like, massive cover-up and this massive... And he walks in and he's like, it was you. I can't believe it was you. And that's what breaks Captain America. And he actually just yeah. walks out and he, know, he gives up being Captain America. He's like, I can't be... First, for a while, he's called the captain. Then he becomes a nomad. Then they went out of country. That sort of stuff. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, yeah and it's it, kind of like it, Richard Nixon was yeah, like the it head is, of it's, it's, organization. Yeah, it's Nixon, like, it's Nixon's, like, silhouette. And so it's, they don't actually yeah. say it. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's Nixon, yeah. And um, that, that was like a big issue and a big, you know, moment in like the whole comic book lore that like Marvel really doesn't talk about now. Like if you, they show like the history of Captain America, like they'll, they'll mention it, but like the character, they never say that. Oh, remember you left when Nixon was president? Like they don't, they don't yeah. do that. But he did have um, Captain America like questioning um, the civilians bombing of like Dresden in, in World War II. Like this is in the 70s, like in the, eight, in the early 80s. Like, you know, did we have to do that and stuff like that to win this war? Like he's finding stuff out and like maybe the country is not what I thought it was, or we're not always right type of stuff, which was very different from the character when he first came out. And again, I mean, I feel like good. he keeps, I feel like that character keeps on pushing those social issues in America. And in the 2010 um, issue 602, he's, you know, he goes to some rally where there some right wing militia type organization called the watchdogs is trying to like infiltrate and take over the United States. And when you look at the, people that are protesting and you look at the signs, it was like no new taxes, stop the socialists, tea back the lips before the tea back you to the point that Marvel actually had to go and apologize yeah. um, publicly because they said that the references were to the tea party, you know, the ultra conservative tea party in 2010. 
Um, and they finally admitted, like, yeah, we were trying to say that the watchdogs were really this, you know, the conservatives. Oh, they, I mean, it, it was, it, they're showing, you know, they're, the comic book creators are basically showing their bias with that, which is fine. I mean, that's what they're going to do. That's kind of hard to, pre- to pre- you know, prevent sometimes. Um, but that's what they're showing. And nowadays, the Captain America is kind of like shown as like he's questioning things because he's the he's the ideals that America should be. He's the, yeah. he's he's those like ideas out from the Constitution, from the Great Independence. You know that those old school ideas that it is you know justice for all and stuff like that. So that's kind of what he's representing now. So he doesn't necessarily have to always do what the government says because he's you know representing the will of the people and stuff like that. It's kind of how the character has um, evolved now. Man, that's kind of an interesting point you just bring up as well now, because when Ed Brubaker killed him off in 2007, right, they, they were like, well, how could you, why would you do that? Why would you kill him off? And he Sales. killed him off, he said, because Sales. he just, yeah, he felt like he couldn't, Captain America no longer could satisfy like the hardcore left wing fans that just wanted him to give speeches and go against the George W. Bush administration. And then he really couldn't satisfy the right wing, right wing fans that just wanted him to be in the streets of Baghdad, you know, like punching Saddam Hussein. Yeah. And it just, it's almost like Captain lost his way. So he killed him off. And then he, you know, comes back just two years later, essentially, when the United States goes through like the worst economic recession since the Great Depression, because all of a sudden there's this economic crisis, 2009 and uh, 2008, 2009. And now it's almost like, okay, we need a patriotic icon. You know, we need him to return. And they well, bring him what, back. Yeah, that's what happens. Still, like we always say, you know, you know um, distance makes the heart grow fonder, that sort of thing. That's the same issue, but that's the same idea of when they killed off Superman, right, in 94. Uh, yeah. well, really, they had to match him up with the Lois and Clark TV show. That's why they killed him off. But when they did it, like, people felt like a part of like Americana died. Like, how can you kill Superman? I have that and comic just, book. But I feel, like, has, I feel like everyone else has that comic book. That's why it's not worth anything. It's the most selling comic book of all time, so it's worth almost nothing. Just because they reprinted it, reprinted it, reprinted it. Because everybody, you know, it's just, it, it was national news. It was on the front. It was on the pages of newspapers. And you know, Superman dead, Superman dead. Like, for real life, they actually had real funerals for, the, you know, this fake comic book character. Everyone knew they were going to bring him back at some point. Like, you're, you're not, not going to have Superman. Just like you weren't not going to have Captain America. But um, it's, you know, it's a sales ploy. But it's also, you know, when it happens, people get upset. It's like when they change some things, you know, how many with the comic book movies, when they come out, how many people get upset? Well, that's not what the comics, that's not how it is in the comics. You know, and they get upset. The, these characters matter and the piece of what they represent to people. Yep. Let, you know, let's kind of go to Wonder Woman because I feel like she also uh, yeah. really showcases the social fabric of, of yeah. the United States. I mean, she starts off as like basically Rosie the Riveter. You know what I mean? Like she mm-hmm. is the... Go off the war, yeah. Yeah, go off. She is the woman, you know, when in 1940s. And then, you know, by 1950s, there was actually a, I read somewhere that there was a kind of like a DC Comics had like this in-house editorial policy to kind of discourage including women in their stories. After war ended, women, obviously, as a lot of people know, during World War II, took over a lot of men's jobs. And yes, we can. And then the 50s started and it was like, yeah, let's just kind of bring you back home, take care of the kids and the house. So they would try to minimize that and play it down, this idea of Wonder Woman. By 19, early 60s, they actually took her powers away. She had no powers. Yeah, she just knew um, they, they taught her karate. She basically went and learned like, no joke, like women's self-defense classes. Yeah. And um, again, this is what you have. When you have like men basically writing these, these comics, like, you know, and stuff like that. And they're, 
they're just making things up or, you know, they're worried about maybe losing their job or, you know, they're seeing all the feminist, the feminist movements going on in the countries during that, in the country during that time. Yeah. Yeah. And, by the late sixties, the feminists, yeah. they thought that's, they actually thought this was going to be better for the feminist movement. Yeah. Like just not give her power, just have yeah. her do all this. And there was also, yeah, she was, and she was more like in, but again, whenever they showed her, she was like infatuated with um, Steve Trevor. Like, oh, Steve, you know, like she was all tough until she saw Steve Trevor. That was like the running gag in the comics. You know, like it's just, no, like it, it doesn't, you read a lot of those issues now and it just, it's just odd. Like you, you can see like what's going on. It's a, it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth, you know, but it's, it, but it is showing like they think they're doing the right thing, but like you kind of missed the mark there, which is what really happened a lot, particularly in DC. Well, then you get to the seventies and Wonder Woman is kind of revitalized in a sense, starting with a TV show. But yeah. you know, that was like a super highly sexualized portrayal. It was not the purpose behind the original Wonder Woman idea. You know, it wasn't that. It was Wonder Woman for men. Um, yeah. Again, you know, and that kind of changes. It, but also at the same time, similarly in the 70s and in the 60s, you also start getting other characters. That It's almost like the female variations of characters. As the feminist movement grows, you start getting Batwoman, right? Yeah, you have that. You have, you have Supergirl. Like, she's actually early on. She's um, 59. If Supergirl comes out. Yeah. Um, so you have her, obviously, the, the, the cousin. Verse first, it's something different. Then she becomes, then they kind of rewrite it as Superman's cousin. You have, um, there were female ones during World War II, like Liberty Bell, in, individuals like that. Wasn't um, it like Miss America or something? Yeah, Miss America. In the, se- in the 60s and 70s, you have Black Canary. Yeah. Right, she comes out. Catwoman becomes Black Widow. I, I just recently read that Black Widow initially was like the agent of oh, Satan. Yeah, you know, Black Widow. Yeah, Black Widow was a villain. I remember when I had like my uh, old like Marvel trading cards. You know, she was always in, in with the villains. It really yeah. wasn't until like the two thousands where they make her. No, she was brainwashed. She was a Russian spy. Is what she was. Like you know, um, she was that. You know, she was a commie um, and stuff yeah. in the comics. Always trying to kill Spider Man and stuff. That kind of shifts obviously in like the two thousands and stuff like that. But yeah, so you have, you have you do have a lot of those heroes start to come out during this time. A lot of their villains or they're they're supporting characters. They're not they're not mean. They're not they not they don't support their own series. They're not leading their own team um as much. Yeah. And then Spider-Man, the 80s, you know no 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 I mean how, what do you think about Spider Man becoming a character in the in the sixties? Does Spider Man kind of evolve and change? He's probably the one that I would say um evolves a lot with the times him and I would also say like the Hulk, they kind of like evolve with the times. Like they're, they're, they're changing, their characters are changing um, as, and they're going through stuff as, you know, like the country is, or as the times themselves are shifting around. Um, Spider-Man's going through the whole issue, right? With Gwen Stacy passes away, right? And then you have the whole Mary yeah. Jane thing. So he's going that whole, like that teenage angst. He's trying to deal with getting into college. So they kind of age the character, but they don't age the character, you know, with Spider-Man mm-hmm. and some of the others. Um the Hulk goes through all these different changes. Then they bring in the fact that he has all this repressed rage because his father beat him when he was a kid, right? So they have that whole, like the whole idea of like um, domestic violence being incorporated into these characters. Um, and so it, it's, again, it's having readers relate, having the public relate to these individuals. And um, it's one reason why they're becoming successful. Yeah, I'm kind of jumping a little bit here, but you mentioned the idea of violence. I think we mentioned briefly when we started today, the Senate hearings in 1953. Yeah. Um, there was a belief in the United States that comic books were corrupting the youth of this nation, it, that comic books were the sole reason almost behind growing violence and disrespect in American values. Interestingly enough, I, I mean, it got to such an extent that 
you you literally have the United States government. There's you know there's a Senate there's Senate hearings as to whether comic books should be censored or not. I mean, during this time in the fifties, I remember doing research for a book I was writing. There was a it happened in New Jersey actually. A uh, father came into a living room in 1951, I want to say, 52, and switched off a channel. That And the kid that was watching the show went out of the room, grabbed a gun, and then came back and shot the father because he, he switched his channel and killed his father. They blamed it I remember in that article, they brought up the idea of the violence in comic books. Comic, books, comic book creators code, yeah. Well, it was basically, they, they, it was a way, the only way the comic book writers could save their industry was to agree to this code where it was more of like a self governing type of thing, but they, it would be on the comics and the comic books of the day um, would basically have this little logo say, you know, comic book code approved. So basically inside there was no, nothing that was going to, there might be someone getting punched in the face, but no one's getting stabbed through the chest. Right. Mm-hmm. If someone does die at the end of issue, there's one more page where no, he didn't. Do you see the Joker's hand popping up out of like the water or something like that? Um, things like that. There's just not going to be overly over like any references to like sex or uh, premarital sex, particularly drug use. Now, again, that's going to what, what the comic book that challenges that. There's two in particular that we I kind of talked about before. It's the Green Arrow, Green Lantern, and mm-hmm. the issue when um, in Spider Man when Harry Osborn is on drugs. I didn't say what drugs it shows Harry, which is like pills around his head and stuff like that. But those are the comics that like when the comic books. Um, Creators are like, no, we're not going to follow this. And then by the 80s, you don't really see it as much. And that's when you start, that's when you're seeing more of these new characters come out. Um, that's when you're seeing more of these more, um, more violence and definitely more sexualization in the comics in the late 80s, early 90s. And I mean, now no one follows the code anymore. I think it's no. been dead since like 2010, 2011. Yeah, but, but they stopped doing it. Beginning. They just didn't care. Like, it's not going to help her. It's, we're going to sell our comics regardless if you have that little logo yeah. on it. Seal or not. Yep. Yeah. I feel like the, the fact that you even have this seal and the fact that this happens in 53 it's censorship. and 54. It's censorship, yeah. It's censorship. And, and I think that, again, it says a lot about what's happening in the United States. It's almost like this, this fear of the... I mean, when you think of a... Well, it's, it's, some, it's, some, it's, some, it's like the McCarthy hearings, you know. Absolutely. But being, you know, shown on the comic book industry. That's what it is, yeah. Yeah, it's like, the, you know, the United States is losing its way. I mean, there was a fear yeah. of that in, in the mm-hmm. 50s and 60s. Definitely showcasing that. So any um, any other superheroes that you think? Uh... Well, I think one, some of the ones that kind of become big in the 90s that are like big tag and like are those antiheroes. Um, you have Hellboy, right? And he comes out in the mm-hmm. 90s. But definitely the one that, you know, goes on to make a lot of money that a lot of people, does, um, I would say Deadpool, right? Yep. Originally was a villain, comes out in, uh, you know, 91 as a villain. And now he's like one of the most popular, you know, superheroes. You see little kids, I'm, you know. With, with like Deadpool shirts on, talking about Deadpool and stuff like that. I'm like, if you know, De- like that's not what the character is, right? But yeah. the movies were both R-rated, and they were you know extremely high-grossing movies. Interesting to see what Disney's going to do with the character, but like it's it's just again, he's it's showing the times. Like they want the more of these. He's a guy that was supposed to be bad, right? But because he talks smack, he used swords and guns and everything like that. And he what was unique about him too. Is I guess I'm talking too much about the characters himself. I apologize. He was he was a ripoff, a direct ripoff of a DC character, right? Deathstroke, right? He was a ripoff of him. Yep. He and but Deadpool knows it. That's what's funny about Deadpool is he knows he's a combo character. So he will like kind of do the whole Zach Morris thing, you know, turn to the audience and like yep. talk, you know, time out and talk to him. That's what Deadpool does in his comics and obviously in the movies. And people just you know love that. Again, it shows them that like he's just in there in on the bringing them into that world, that that joke. And uh, people just like that. They like the antihero. That's why, you know, who, 
Wolverine becomes the most popular character in the X-Men, right? Batman becomes really popular again with the Michael Keaton movie. And then we said we're going to yeah. come back to that, but that kind of reinvents Batman as the Dark Knight in 89. And Michael Keaton's coming back. I'm sure you heard about that, Pete, right? He's yeah, coming back. I did hear that. Him and Ben Affleck are going to be in the Flash movie as Batman. So well, it's funny because it seems back. like 89, 90, like when communism collapses, it's almost like there's the comic book industry, but also superheroes are like looking for new directions. Like yeah. they're trying to reinvent themselves. And they well, have to really do that again, more. I feel like, after two thousand, you know, after 9-11. Yeah. That was a big one, yeah. Nine, obviously, well, 9-11, but like with the issues, like how do we explain that? That was always something that I was... St- I uh, actually still have the... I still have my issue of Spider-Man. Th- that was, yeah, that, that was the one with Spider-Man. It's like, oh my God, what could I have done, right? Yeah. You know, DC had the ones like that, kind of like... And he had like some of like the super villains, um, like weeping, you know, like, you yeah. know, these were innocents. And stuff like that. So, you, yeah, 9 11 obviously um, changed things. But he said it was different. I know they did an interview with Stan Lee, like, oh, you're going to have like more like terrorist characters now. And he was like, no, that's not, you know, it, that's not that's not today. You know, having Captain America on a cover punching Saddam Hussein in the face, that's not like what, that's not going to, you know, carry. Like, yeah, it's having, not going to solicit the same response it, that you would have as, in as having Hitler being punched in the 40s. Like, it's, it just doesn't yeah. work today. He acknowledged that. So, again, they're, they're showing how the times change, how the public accepts is going to be different than, you know, like what it was, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Yeah, it's almost also like a very much fear-driven worldview. The superheroes also kind of take on a little bit of that fear-driven worldview. That there's terror around the society and, you know, superheroes kind of once again are trying to embrace that fear and terror. Yeah, and one of the big fears of that too is like, it's the fear of just like technology. Like how dependent are we are coming on like the technology? Right, that became a big thing. Then they have the creation of Ultron. No, you see that in the Age of Ultron movie. But Ultron comes in. He says he's kind of like the Terminator, right? Like the whole uh, what's the Terminator? Skynet, yep. right? Yep. Like how much can we trust technology? When is technology going to like turn on us? Th- that that sort of thing. So yeah, you have you have that type of fear. Before we finish this up, my question is: Which comic books do you think of the last decade would be the ones that kind of you know will stand the test of time? And something if we were to do this podcast 50 years from now what, what do you think which comics do you think we would be talking about in like the last decade well one of the more recent ones i would say would be um they made it kind of into a movie but the whole idea of like the marvel civil war mm-hmm. um that's shown the idea of like you know do do superheroes are just like the whole idea of going with the status quo or not going the status quo doing what the government tells you to do or still doing the right thing but we're not going to let the government mandate what's what the right thing is you know, so big government, ultimately, so, yeah. <laughs> big government, free right, free will. You know that those sorts of issues. I think a lot of the comic books that are coming now, because a lot of the characters are getting reestablished as totally different individuals, right? Like when you hear Captain Marvel now, it's the female version of Captain Marvel. The original Captain Marvel, obviously, is um, sh- he calls by the name of Shazam now. That's a whole different story. But yeah, the original Captain Marvel was also it was like an alien from another planet comes here and. The, uh, Carol Danvers' character actually is Miss Marvel. She gets those powers from a transfusion, I believe, from him. I don't know everything about the character, but it's a very different, and they kind of like changed that um, and made the new Captain Marvel, which is um, Carol Danvers' character, which is a successful movie with a comic book franchise. She actually leaves the Avengers in the comics. So it, it, it's, it's also, you're seeing that, you're seeing the role that women play. A lot of the um, characters, right, you know that um, if you're following anything with the new movies, that Jane Foster in the comics becomes Thor. She's going to become Thor in the next Thor movie. So you're seeing the role of women a lot more in comic books and having leadership roles and you know, strong roles that you, they weren't seeing even with, you know, Wonder Woman and stuff like that. And her movie obviously came out and became very successful. Spider-Man. Think of Miles Morales, you know, uh, a oh, yeah, child, yeah, of, a child of minorities. Yeah. 
same thing. It's kind of it's shifting to reflect our society today in the, the in that sense. Time. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, every, more uh, cultures, more people are being represented, and you know, some Absolutely. people get upset with that, but also their idea is um, they're going to draw in new people. You know, they're going to have those kids. If you're a little kid, you you want to see yourself represented as the superhero. Yeah, you know, as a superhero, you want to be able to put on the cape, put on the whatever, and jump off the couch, whatever. And if it's different, you know, like how much can you really relate to? That? I understand that, and um, and I think I actually, this is, I mean, comic sense. books, yeah, and I think comic books are pretty much doing what they're always done, you yeah, know, they're, so they're they're appealing to their base, to their readers, yeah, yeah and and they're they're, they're kind of reflecting, money. oh yeah, yeah. trying to make money, but they're also reflecting what is happening in the country, yeah, in the country at the time. So Absolutely. this isn't any different. I mean, some people might have you know balked at the idea of Spider Man, you know, back in the sixties, what's a little kid a superhero? Like, what is this? Or Luke Cage eventually, or Black Panther. I think that comic books are still continuing to, and superheroes are still continuing to do what they've always done. Like you said, ref- reflected times, and, in, in a different way, right? It's another way for people to express themselves, express their views, and then the public is going to decide based on sales, you know, which ones that they're supporting, what they like, what they don't like. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, usually we try I to feel, finish with some. I feel like we're kind of all over the place a little bit with this, but it was, you know, I think it's an interesting again, discussion, but, you know, they get a little history, they get a little bit of, uh, yeah, we're just talking. That's all it is. But these are just two <laughs> people that, two friends that just are uh, talking and figuring stuff out. And I fell yeah. off a roof today. So, you know what, if, if I'm rambling yeah. on a little bit. I you fell off roof today, and I, I cut a piece so, of my finger off today. So trying to go fishing with my kids. So it's just been things, a rough day. Things happen. Things happen. Things happen. It's a rough day. Exactly. Uh, any fun facts? I mean, I, I feel like all of this. Again, always like asking the fun facts. This is all basically yeah, fun facts. Say, but right? in what Did regard? I, in what regard? I don't know. Anything that's superhero related? That's a fun. Well, fact. I think I think the big thing now with the superheroes is they're kind of reintroduced with the whole um, with the movie franchises, right? Like yeah. that kind of like brought everything in. And that's how I introduce people because I'll be honest, like as far as going to this comic book store and buying comics as much now, like I don't, I haven't really done that in a while. I think the last one I did was something that you kind of introduced me to. Well, that whole Spider-Man through the ages. I mean, actually, yeah, he, did really age, he did age accordingly. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I was like, you know, one of the few that actually, that actually do that. Yeah, just like with, that's really how they make their money. They don't really make their money as much. And again, showing the times. Now, um, Marvel, DC, they both have their own streaming service. I know. I actually subscribe. I subscribe to the DC one. You can you get their comics online because most people are not reading like textbooks. You know, like, well, you know, textbooks or comic yeah. books, hard copies. I meant to say they're reading their comics online. So yeah. that is another example of how the industry is changing with the times, and the characters have to change with the times. I almost want to. I'm almost thinking of maybe introducing comic books to teaching history, especially like US two. You want to teach. That. There's just there's so much you could do with that. You know, I'm sure there's. Someone's written an article about using comic books in a classroom, but oh, there's, there's, there's courses. There's, there's courses I know at some colleges where it's like you know American history or you know through you know contemporary era through comics and stuff like that or the history. Of, I know they have those. Yeah. Well, I guess that kind of okay. I guess Tom, that just brings us to the end of our podcast today. Hope everyone enjoyed it, and you could join us again next week. Had a good one. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. The Battle of Waterloo was one of the most famous turning points in world history.
But what happened next? My name's David Montgomery, and I'm the host of The Siecla, a history podcast that tackles exactly that. Join me as I cover France's overlooked century in between Napoleon and World War I. The Siecla, spelled S-I-E-C-L-E, is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and can be found wherever you get podcasts.